Good morning. It was a beautiful morning until I opened up the door and got <laughs> the wind blew in, but it's a great day. Relationships is our series that we're working on. Relationships can be part of our best times of life, the best parts of life, and also can be part of sometimes the hardest times of life. In Genesis, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And we're going to be looking at that story and part of that relationship in a few minutes. It was God who just saw that man wasn't good alone and created a partner for him. God even started or God formed those relationships at the beginning. And uh, it's him that keeps them, establishes them, and helps them. There's a story of a young man who moved away from home, education, and he called home that he had found the woman of his dreams. And uh, his mom said, well, what are you, what are you gonna do? Why don't you, why don't you or, uh, get her some flowers and invite her over for a home-cooked meal? He thought that was a great idea, and so they did, and his mother called the day after the, the set date and asked her son how it went. He said it was a disaster. She goes, what happened? Didn't she come? Oh, oh, she came, but she refused to cook. <laughs> so, so I learned how to cook. And, oh, no, no, sorry, no, that was, <laughs> sorry, no, I, I just threw that in. <laughs> Relationships can be defined as a way in which two or more people, groups, or countries talk to or behave towards each other, uh, the way they deal with each other, uh, the state of interaction between, again, these two people, groups, uh, the way in which two or more people or things are connected. I've entitled the message today, The, uh, um, the uh, Sphere of Influence, and relationships really are that that all of us are in a sphere where we have influence and we are also influenced by. Now, the definition of the sphere of influence really refers to, to countries really having influence over other countries or parts of those countries. But in the context of today, we're looking at people and we're looking at relationship. That sphere of, of who we influence, but who also influences us. As we read our text today, look at it in far, as far as uh, the relationships. See if you can see the relationships in it, and then we'll briefly look at some of those relationships. I'm going, to be reading, I'm going to be reading the yellow. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some, of her, some to her husband who was with her, 
and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Amen. Lord, we just pray that over these next few minutes, you would just open your word to us, that God, you would speak to us, and that God, you would, to each of us individually, reveal some truth and a message to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look quickly at some relationships that I pulled out of this passage of Scripture, we're looking at Eve, and, and really it's also mankind. Uh, Eve and the enemy is our first point. It's wondering, it, I wonder if Eve saw or knew that she had an enemy and that she was talking to the enemy. Uh, I found a quote, the devil's most beautiful ruse is to convince us that he does not exist. But he does exist. Eve had an enemy, we have an enemy. Jesus said in John, John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In 1 Peter, we read, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We do have an enemy. Satan, the devil, whatever we want to call, the fallen angels that followed him that we now call demons, they hate mankind. We are created in the image of God and we are objects of God's love. They hate us. There's no other way to look at it. They hate us. They are, will do whatever they can to prevent our relationship with God, and they will do whatever they can to disrupt, to discourage, to demolish, to distract us in our relationship with God. Now, I want you to understand that our salvation, once we give ourselves to Christ, we are safe and secure in his hand. Amen? In John chapter 10, there is nothing, no one can snatch us out of the hand of God. But I also believe the Bible reveals, and what I've experienced in life and ministry, is that people can wander away from God. It's hard to believe, and yet the things of this world, both the enemy and themselves, can distract them and discourage them where they began to drift and turn away. Matthew 24 says this, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The enemy is hard at work. 
We just need to stand firm in the Lord, to stand firm in our faith, which isn't always easy, and I understand that. But faith is like a muscle, I believe, that grows stronger as it's stretched and as it's exercised. If you want strong faith, you don't just say, God, give me more faith. He gives you what grows, develops faith in your life. That can sometimes be hard and and stretching. And yet, it serves a purpose to make us strong in him. The temptation, the leading astray, the deceiving of, of Eve here in our text comes from the enemy who, again, the basis of that relationship is hate for Eve and for mankind. Today, we are often tempted by our own lusts, as James 1 says. We are led astray by what is already in us. Augustine said this, that the devil is like a mad dog that is chained up. He is powerless to harm us when we are outside his reach. But once we enter his circle, we expose ourselves again to injury and harm. In the Garden of Eden, Satan had to approach Eve from the outside. He doesn't have to do that necessarily now. He can often just leave us to our own, our own lusts, our own attitudes. But sometimes the enemy is still at work to directly influence and to deceive and to attack God's people. This process of temptation and deceiving of Ruth, there's a couple points that come out. Satan is crafty and deceptive. He's not always straightforward. The serpent in the garden was not the snake that we know today. Most likely it was maybe something even beautiful, something that did not cause Eve to fear or be repulsed by it. Satan used it to to speak, to influence Eve. Sometimes the most beautiful, the perfect, the good, those things that we want, even those things that we think are godly can be used for evil, to tempt us to do wrong, to disobey, to get discouraged, to drift away. He's clever in how he approaches, how he appears, how he tempts. He tempts us with something that we want, something we can see or something we can desire. He makes it so easy, appear so easy, that all we have to do is reach out and take it. Also, Satan challenges the authority of God in his word. Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? He twists things, he turns things, he changes, he challenges, he causes confusion. He waters down the truth of God's word. Whereas people begin to think that it's not for them today, that it doesn't apply to life today. I know that technology is a lot different than it was. It was a lot different when I was growing up. It was a, it's a lot different now than 2,000 years ago. You know what isn't changed? is man. Technology is different, but men are still the same. The same issues, the same problems, the same challenges that they faced 2,000 years ago. Men and women are still facing today. God's Word still addresses those issues of men and women today. Satan questions God's character makes us think that God's trying to keep something from us or withhold from us, uh, threatening death or cruelty or coldness or something, sometimes being harsh. He causes us to doubt and be discouraged. Next, Satan contradicts the certainty of God's judgment. He says, you will not surely die. 
There's no consequences to eating, to disobeying God. Take it. You will, you will be like God. It takes away the consequences that even today many don't believe in a hell or any consequences to how they live. And lastly, Satan promises the pleasure, but he doesn't mention the pain. You will be like God. To Eve, it just seemed wonderful, and she took it, and, and yet what was the cost? A separation, a hard life, hard labor, pain, grief, and death. Mankind would know because of that choice. But we need to remember, 1 John chapter 4, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? In James chapter 4, we read this, one of my favorite. For he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you or lift you up. The next relationship is even herself, the struggle within. How many of us can relate to that, the struggle within? Now, the scripture, we don't really read about Eve having a, a struggle within, but yet during that conversation with the enemy, you know that she's asking, she's responding. You know that there's something going on within her. We know ourselves that there's a struggle within. When we face that temptation, when we face what should we do, Paul talks about it in Romans 7, that those things that I don't want to do, I do. Those things that I do want to do, I don't do. He knew about the struggle within. And adults, we know that we're products of our society. We're influenced by it, by the world around us, by our upbringing. The good and the not so good. Pastor Todd spoke a message last week on Father's Day, and one of the things I kind of took away from it is, uh, there's a lot of good things, but just one of the things that related here. As adults, we all have wounds. We all have cracks or hurts that, that come from our childhood. We were raised in an imperfect world by imperfect parents, and we ourselves are imperfect. Adam and Eve, on the other hand, were the perfect couple. In a perfect world, the Garden of Eden, there was no dysfunction in their family. They were created by God. They were without sin. They were in a relationship with God, knowing God, walking and talking with God. But they still messed up, and big time. Last week, Pastor Todd talked about forgiveness and even had us repeat, I am forgiven. If we confess our sins to God, he will faithfully forgive us through Jesus Christ. Don't keep beating yourself up for past things, for past mistakes. And don't let the enemy beat you up and beat you down for those things that you have already given to God. He wants to do nothing but discourage you and to beat you down. God has called you to himself to raise you up in him, to be a son, a daughter, a child of God. Can you say amen? That's who you are in him. The liar comes to steal, to destroy, to deceive. Jesus has come to give you life. Life more abundantly. 
draw near to him. Remember this in Romans 8. I'm only going to read a few of the verses. It's an incredible chapter, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to condemn sin in the flesh. It goes on. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are God's children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And lastly, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. Live it every day. Next, it's Eve and others. Really, it's, it's Eve and Adam. There's not a whole lot of others at this time. But here we look at the relationship and we look at the influence. We are influenced by and others influence us. That's the type of relationship that we have. We all have influence with other people. That sphere of influence that I mentioned at the beginning. Sometimes that influence can be through words, the things we say, and sometimes even by not saying things. We influence people by our actions or by not acting. We can send messages and influence responses by well, how we ask, how we look, our relationships. Have you ever said something to someone and they thought you said something totally different because of the way they heard it? Or the look on your face seemed to imply something else? Relationships can be confusing and hard and our influences on people can be affected by a lot of different things. This fall in October, we're going to be hosting again the Global Leadership Summit, October 18th and 19th. One of the things I like about it is the theme is we all have influence. Now, this is true for people in business, people who are managers and, and that type of thing, but it's true for all of us because we all have influence. Whether we're a, an employee of someone working in a place or at home, raising children or grandparents with grandchildren, we all have influence. That level of influence may be based on relationships or who and what we are or what we do. John's funeral yesterday reminded me of that and spoke clearly of that as so many people again and again shared about the influence that he had had on their life in different relationships and different levels. Adam and Eve had a lot of influence on each other. Eve was deceived and she took the fruit. She gave it to Adam, and, and he just ate it openly, disobeying God. That was the fall. That's when their eyes were open. Sin could have tore them apart, but they stuck together. Even when they were kicked out of the garden, they stayed together. Even when it meant hard work, they left a garden for hard labor, 
and they stayed together, they worked together. Now, I'll admit it might have helped that he was the only man on earth, <laughs> but still, the idea is there that they worked it through together. There's a lot of thought there when it comes to unity within the church. Relationships aren't just human, they're also within the church. We ourselves are a body, God's Word says. We're in relationship with one another. And in a church, you know that sometimes those are good and sometimes those are hard. I believe we're called by God to love each other and to stick with each other, to work through that. What we do or what we choose to do with the influence that we have is the question of how we choose to live our life. Let me say that again. What we choose to do with the influence we have is the question of how we choose to live our life. We all have influence, whether you think it's little or large. Whether you compare yourself to others and let that get you down and get you discouraged or not. We all have influence. What we do with what we have is what's important. God has given us all something. He's all given us gifts and blessings. I'll tell you the most important thing he's given us is the gospel, that relationship with him. Amen? Amen. And whether we have a lot of people or just a few, we have something that we can share, we can influence them with. There's a reason we're called the salt of the earth and the light in the world. We're meant to have an effect upon the world around us. We add salt and it it affects the flavor. We turn on a light, it, it, it affects all around. That's who we're meant to be in Christ. Whether you think you're a little light or not, you have something to share and to shine with. In our story, we continue, and then God comes along. Adam and Eve hide, they're in shame, they hide themselves, and then God comes. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and it has been ever since I was a youth and read it. To me, it just stirred the whole idea of why we were even created. God comes down in the cool of the evening and walks in the garden. The Scripture, it it seems to imply that this was a normal thing, that he came down to walk with man to talk, to to share with man. Again, at the point where they were without sin, and so there was no barrier, no, no division between them. God is a holy God, and sin breaks that, goes against that. Now we have Jesus Christ, and through his shed blood, we are now able to go back into and have that close fellowship with God. For me, as a young person, when I read that, God just really showed that he wanted to be a part of my daily life. That he wanted to walk with me in life, to talk with me, to share the truth of him. Sometimes that's through his word, sometimes that's through his spirit, and sometimes that's through people. God wants you to know him every day and to know that he's walking with you. Whether you sense it or feel it or not, he's there. Draw near to him. Open your heart to him. We have the story where Adam and Eve hide. Shame, fear, disappointment, awareness of their own faults, their own nakedness, and they hide. 
Mother Teresa said this, that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer. It's the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. There's a lot of people who can be surrounded by people who can feel all alone. Sometimes when we, sometimes when we feel alone, when we feel hurt, we actually hide. We can actually pull away from others. And hear me, sometimes we can even pull away from God. I've known a lot of people that have gone through difficulties in life, and one of the first things, not, one of the things they do is they pull away from church. The place where they should be and they're hurting should be church, where they gather together with God's people, where we worship together and look into the Word together, and yet they pull away. God's calling and still calling. The next thing in that story is God searches. He's walking in the garden, he calls for Adam and Eve. Now the funny part of this is God's omniscient. He knew what had gone on, he knew where Adam and Eve were hiding. And yet he still walks and he calls to them. All he had to do was push those trees or plants away. He knew where they were, and yet he calls to them. A call of invitation for them to come to him. It seems to be maybe the, the natural thing, the normal thing that God did as he come down into the garden to reveal himself and they came to him. But here in this story, they hide because of their shame, but God still calls. God is still calling. God is still calling. If you will but open your heart, if you will but receive that this scripture today, this message today is another way in which God's calling to you. Last part is God's grace. God did not destroy them. He is a holy God, and they went against his holiness. He is a righteous God. He cannot help but punish sin. It's just part of who he is. That is why Jesus Christ came and went to the cross, because sin had to be punished. He took upon himself our punishment, because sin had to be punished. In the story here, though, God doesn't destroy them. If you keep reading in the verses, there were consequences. But one of those things is that God promised a Savior, a Messiah would come. God's grace, his love is seen. The story of the prodigal son in the New Testament is an incredible story that reveals God. Throughout the scriptures, God reveals himself. In every book of the Bible, God reveals himself. In the story of the prodigal son, when you know it, if you you know what? It's when the son comes back after he's wasted his inheritance. He's taken what his father had worked for and earned, and he threw it away on wild living until he had nothing left. He comes home filthy and alone. He went away with pride and arrogance, and he comes home humbled. But the part I bring out to you today is, again, the father who sees the son from a distance. He doesn't wait for his son to crawl home. He sees his son. He gets up and he runs to his son. 
He embraces his son in celebration that he who was lost is now found. That reveals the heart of God to every one of us. God is still calling. God is still calling to people. Now, hear me that if you have yet to receive Christ, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, if you've never received him as Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you of your sins. That invitation is there. God's calling. He's inviting you to come. All you have to do is receive him. Ask him. It's as simple as that. Jesus has already done the work. All we have to do is receive it. And he promises to forgive us and to give us a new life in him. Christian, I talk to you. Some of you here may have struggles in life and maybe you've even kind of pulled away a little bit from God. You're not where you know you should be in your relationship with God. God's calling. He's calling us to know him more. To draw near to him and to know him. If things are going good in your life, then you use this time to draw near to God because sometimes difficulties come in life. And we need that strength. We need that relationship that we've built with God to get us through. The hardest thing is when people ignore God and then they go through hard times and they find it so hard because they've never established knowing God, seeking God, that daily devotional time with God. I share, when I talked to Judy at the hospital, I didn't ask her if I could share this, but I, I don't think she'll mind. Um, and she was telling me what happened in the morning and, and stuff like that. One of the things that she said is we, we had just had our devotions together. That it was a normal part of their morning to have devotions together and to pray. It sounds like they take turns praying, and it was her turn to, to kind of lead that devotion and to pray. That just really stuck out in my mind because how many times do we start a day and have no idea what's gonna happen? And then this incredible life-changing events took place. And what stuck in my heart is they had already met with God. They had already drawn near to him. And she knew, she knew God was with her. Even talking to her yesterday, she knows that it's been God carrying her through. Church, God is calling to us to draw near, to seek him maybe like we have never sought him before. Because this world will have troubles. We will have difficulties. It's a part of this life, and we have an enemy who's going to do everything he can to fight against us. But we have a God who's greater and mightier and stronger. We need to draw near to him. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close the service, and I'm going to close in prayer. But I'm going to ask you to take just a few seconds 
and just quietly pray yourself. You know what you need to pray. If you don't want to say anything to God, then if you could, just be silent and stand there. If you need to receive him as Lord and Savior, then I invite you to do that today. And then let someone know that you've done that so that we can celebrate with you. And church, if God's calling you to again draw near to him, then I want you to talk to him. Let him, by his love and grace, call you and invite you to know him in ways that you have yet to experience. And then let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. That is who you are. And God, we are loved by you. That's who we are. God, we thank you today for your love, for your call. God, each and every one of us that know you as Lord and Savior, know you because you've called us, you've drawn us to yourself. And your call is that we would continue to know you and to draw near to you. That, God, there are continually more things that you want to reveal, both in your word and through prayer and worship. That, God, you want to reveal yourself to us. Speak to us that we might know you, your love, your strength. That, God, we might grow strong in our faith. That we might accomplish your will, that the reason you have placed us here, the reason you've called us to yourself, is not just that, God, we would just have a good life, but that, God, you might flow in us and through us to the world around us, our sphere of influence. So, God, I pray that you would help us to draw near. Help us, God, to make those choices. Help us, God, to make the sacrifices that need to be made that we might draw near to you and spend time in your presence. Father, I pray for those who feel alone, who are hurting. God, you know them. God, right now, surround them with your presence that they might feel your love, your comfort, your strength, that, God, they are not alone, that greater is he who is in them than he who is in the world, that, God, you know us and you love us and you hold us in your hands, and nothing, no one can snatch us out. We rest in that when we rest in you. God, bring them through. Lead them by your grace, I pray. For those, God, that do not know you, I pray, Lord, that again you'd stir their hearts to receive you, to finally lay down and, and their life and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Be Lord of my life. Scripture says that heaven rejoices and we rejoice as, God, you continue to draw people to yourself. Help us to do that in this community or wherever you lead us, to share the love, your love, with others. God, I pray for each one that, Lord, you be with us. Lead us and guide us, be glorified in and through us, and accomplish your will, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen.